Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We've come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. Or it's Razimon! Razimon. And it's going to be a movie. Welcome back to the movie Mausoleum. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. What's the name of the movie we're doing? Jack, Jack and Joe? No, no. The one where Adam Sandler is his own twin. Fifty First Dates. No. The one with it's Adam Sandler, and then it's another Adam Sandler, and the Al Pacino's in it. The Halloween hubby? What's the name of that film? Pixels. I'm pretty sure all of those movies were nominated for at least one Razzie somewhere. <laughs> so we are doing Jack and Jill today. This is kind of a, uh, this was the Patreon choice. Yes, let me explain that a little bit. Uh, basically every year we do the five pictures that are nominated for worst film by the Razzies. This year we did, uh, well, I already forgot what we did, Music, Fantasy Island. Yep. 365 365 days. 365 days. Do a little. Do a little. And then the last one was Absolute Proof. And we kind of put this out to our patrons that we didn't think Absolute Proof would be a very good episode. So we asked if they really wanted, we would do Absolute Proof. And if not, they could vote on something else. And they did not choose Batman and Robin. And for that, uh, I will never forgive them. They did not choose Battlefield Earth. Which is fine. And they ended up choosing Jack and Jill. Now, before we jump into Jack and Jill, I want to say this. For tradition's sake, I did, in fact, watch Absolute Proof. You did, yes. Yes. So let me open by saying it would have been a miserable episode to stay doomed. Yeah. Because it's not a movie. Like, it's it's tough to say. Like, we'd have nothing to say because it's like, and then for another 20 minutes, they talk about something that doesn't make sense. Yes. So here's a brief review of... uh, Absolute proof for those who wanted it. It's a guy sitting in a room. It's the My Pillow guy saying that this is absolute proof without any sources. All in one take, just kind of talking. Like there's many times where he's like, "Here's some statistics about Virginia. We'll come back to this," and then they never do. And a bunch of guests. And it's odd because they wanted it to look dynamic. So there are times where he's talking about like how the voting machines were connected to the internet, and it'll cut to a router just (laughs) blinking for, like, three minutes. Roll that sweet B-roll. Yeah, and then it'll come back to them talking, and then there'll be an awkward jump cut. And I was like, who edited this? And he calls it a show throughout the whole thing. He does not call it a movie. So in my opinion, this is the worst of the five, but it's also not a movie. That is like if you were a... You were at, like, a baking competition, mm-hmm. and you were served, like, a burnt cake with, like, they used salt instead of sugar, mm-hmm. and they used ketchup as, like, icing. That's bad. The other chef served you a rock. It's like, okay, obviously the rock is worse, but it's also not a cake and should not be in this competition. Right. So... It's definitely the worst thing I watched, but I wouldn't say it's the worst movie because it's not a movie. And the Razzies did this, I want to say, in 2016, 
with the uh, Dinesh D'Souza movie of like Hillary yes. against America or whatever? Oh, no, no. It was, oh, what was that called? Who cares? I, yeah, no um, one cares. Because really, the point I want to make is they said after that they were never going to do that again because it brought a lot of undue attention to that yeah. film. And then the Razzies did it again this year. Yes. It I, kind of feels like they didn't learn anything. Well, I mean, like, you, we could be on the board of the Razzies if we wanted to be. It's yeah. like a $35 yearly subscription. Oh, we should really just do that. And you get to vote on what should be in there. And I will say, like... It's a train wreck in terms of, like, editing and, like, as a visual medium, it is a train wreck, like, beyond its content, but it's still not a film. Yeah, it is not, uh, it is not expensive to join this, turns out. All right, well, so maybe uh, that's what we'll do soon. Yeah, it is $40. Oh, okay. I was off by five bucks. Yeah, and, like... To renew, it's $25. I also think it's like $70 for two. Um, I think there's like a package. Yeah, there's a $50 yourself and one free gift member. Yeah. So I guess that's the the couples. Yeah. It was designed for us. The fact that we are not members of the Razzies board is is a crime. (laughs) Because we are clearly experts at this. Yeah. I wish they had a a store because I'd like buy things and support them. I've considered getting you a golden raspberry every year for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then every year I'm disappointed to find that they do not sell them. Yeah, like that would legitimately be a thing I would want. (laughs) I would bring that into work. Yeah. For no one to understand. It's a golden raspberry. So, So, uh, before I finish it... it, Yeah, let's let's pour one out now. Because we had some early tech difficulties in recording this episode. So, like, I'm... Already almost done my beverage. All right, let's pour one out for Jack and Jill. What do you got there, Laura? Um, well, you know, anyone who's listening to this probably knows the Dunkachino meme because it kind of had a resurgence last mm-hmm. year. So I made a Dunkachino. I did not go out and purchase one no. uh, because I'm a little too bratty to do that. I made one. A Dunkachino by Dunkin' Donuts rules is hot chocolate blended with coffee. Yes. I made a cold brew La Colombe canned latte blended with ice, because it's a little warmer out today, mm-hmm. dark chocolate and vanilla extract, and topped with rainbow sprinkles, because it's me. How is it? It's good. Uh, I actually, I had to refreeze part of it, and mm-hmm. it's not separating as bad. Sometimes with dairy, mm-hmm. frozen separates weird. Right. And uh, I froze some of this to save it for the end of the episode, and this is actually very good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, so I need a spoon to eat it, though. I also made a Dunkachino, but I made the Jill version of it, since you had, like, the Jack version. So it's all the same ingredients, but done poorly. So uh, instead of your fine canned latte, I have a can of vanilla coffee Coca-Cola. Which we discovered is really good. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, And then... Uh, since you blended in uh, chocolate pieces, uh, I went with uh, cookies and cream white chocolate Hershey Kisses. Gross. But I couldn't blend it because it's carbonated, so they're just kind of sitting on top of some ice. Ew. And then instead of your lovely sprinkles, I have uh, candy cars that totally look like dicks. They do. They look like there's just dicks floating in it. And then instead of Bailey's, since uh, Oh, yeah, I put Kahlua in mine. Oh, Kahlua, I'm yeah. sorry. Instead of Kahlua, 
I went with 99 bananas. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I didn't put a lot of Kahlua in because I didn't want it to overpower everything else. Th- there's nothing like making a purposely bad drink for a bit on an audio podcast. Yeah. But listen, listen as I pour more Coke into it. I will say, uh, the canned Coke with coffee is, like, legitimately pretty good. Yeah, I'm upset I poured it into this. Yeah, I don't know why you did that. I should have just finished this and then had my own drink. And at some point, I'll eat a Hershey Kiss very loudly on mic, so get excited for that ASMR. Yeah, you'll probably hear the spoon clink against my glass, because since I made it, I kind of made more of, like, a Frappuccino kind of deal, because I blended it with ice. But then... Uh, I had too much, so it was in the freezer. So, like, it's a little bit more of, like, a granita now. What's my name, Dunka Frappuccino? <laughs> so, we opened the film. This film was uh, 10 years old. This yes. is a, uh, the 10th anniversary podcast of Jack and Jill. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and we open on sets of twins. Yeah, it's just randomly being interviewed about what it's like to be a twin. Yeah, so there's, like... It starts off with a couple sets of twins who are, like, on the same page. Yeah. Like, two, you know, blonde teenagers who are teasing each other about which one's older. Yeah. Because one's, like, five minutes older. Mm-hmm. Uh, one speaks uh, their own language, which is whale, essentially. Yeah, they speak whale to each other. And then, like... <sighs> then we start getting a couple, including, like, a Harvard lawyer while the other one works at Hooters... And we start to set up, like, twins that aren't quite on the same page. Yeah, they're not, you know, in sync. They're not, they're distinctly different people. Yeah. And then we start going into fake home movie footage of a set of twins. Yes. That are clearly meant to be Jack and Jill. Yes. And we get that this, like, female twin is grosser and she's very jealous and possessive of her brother. Yeah. When I say grosser, I mean that she's more... Uh, bodily function oriented. Yeah. Like, there's shots of her farting and, like, because it's an Adam Sandler movie. So yeah. it's a little, it's very bathroom humory, but she's also very jealous and possessive of her brother. Mm hmm. Yeah, there, there's a shot of her, like, attacking a girl that's talking to her brother with a tennis racket. Like, yeah. Like, she hits her with a tennis ball while they're, like, clearly flirting. So, yeah, she's, like, real protective. Yeah, it's very, uh, it sets up who these people are. Mm-hmm. So we get to uh, Jack, who's Adam Sandler in the current day, and he's an ad executive, and he's currently working on a Pepto-Bismol commercial with Regis Philbin. Yes, the late, great Regis Philbin. And a puppet. And a puppet who is played by... Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey has maybe two lines in this film. Yeah, it's very much a cameo. And is almost in disguise. And Regis complains that the puppet gets all the funny lines. Yes. Which shows that he's never worked with the Muppets. Because, like, you're always the straight man when there's a Muppet. Yeah. So, then they start talking about the Duncan. Um, Yeah, the Duncan deal might be going south because they want Al Pacino. Which is the most ridiculous premise I could possibly think of. Because, like, this is 2011. Al Pacino is not the it boy. Like, you usually want, like, an ad executive would want the young hot thing. Yeah, but in the same respect, like, he is still royalty. You don't have, like, Colgate being, like, any Tom Hanks. It's like, yeah. no. Like, the, they're 
you know, royalty. And on top of that, I don't understand the plot of it being like, we want Al Pacino in the commercial or we're switching to a different ad agency who also would not be able to get Al Pacino. Exactly. It's a very weird premise. Yes. And I knew that this ended with the Don Pacino music video. Yeah. I didn't realize that this is the main plot of the whole film. The crux of this film is about Al Pacino doing a Don Pacino commercial. Right. But in the words of the immortal Aaron Hansen, the pun doesn't work. If Al Pacino changed his first name to Dunk, it would be Dunk Pacino. Yep. Not Dunk Achino. The whole crux of this film is a pun that doesn't work. Well, I mean, the production... Uh, would you believe Duncan was the second choice for this? Speaking of Pacino. There was a first choice for this that wasn't Duncan. They wanted it to be Frappuccino. They wanted it... When they were writing the movie, they wanted it to be Starbucks. Oh. So, so Al was going to change his name to Frapp? Yeah. Frapp Pacino? Yep. And that's why I made a Frappuccino. Ooh. Frappuccino actually works. Yeah, Starbucks didn't want to do it, though. Oh, I'm going to text Mr. Hansen <laughs> and let him know. I mean, that being said, you could have made this work in so many different ways than making it Al Pacino and... You could also just not have made this film. That's another way to go about this. That's true. There's, there's always a way to do this that's not doing this. So we get the impression that it is Thanksgiving time. Yes. And they're about to break for the holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another strange thing of like, would Regis Philbin logically be filming a commercial for Pepto-Bismol the day before Thanksgiving? <laughs> that's a good point. Because like, I work a desk job. And I often have off or a partial day the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and I'm nobody. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I realized that the timeline of this movie is very strange in that aspect of like, there's no way that if you're Regis Philbin, you're wherever you're going to be for Thanksgiving. Right. You're with whatever family members by Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And we know that it has to be Wednesday because then... We see Jack in the car with his wife, who is Katie Holmes. Yes. Her name is Erin, which I needed to look up because they really don't refer to her very often by name. This is going to be one of the weirdest sentences I've ever said on Stay Doomed. Jack and Jill is a complete waste of Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes has that extremely thankless sitcom wife role. Yeah, like, she, to, to steal a phrase that you taught me recently on this podcast, Katie Holmes could be played by a sexy lamp. It's 100% true. Like, it, I, we were a good chunk in the movie where I went, wait a minute, is that Katie Holmes? Because that could have been nameless attractive woman. Yeah, like, it's a strange, it was strange to cast a name in that role. Because she does nothing in this. Yeah, it was like, you could have... Gone cheaper on this. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. It's very, very odd. Uh, so, I guess this wasn't a good enough role for Jennifer Aniston or Drew Barrymore, who he usually works with. Yeah, I guess this is this is the one they passed on. So, 
So they're kind of setting up uh, his sister's flying in stupid early on Thanksgiving morning. Yeah, because she doesn't understand jet lag or something. Yeah, she lives in the Bronx and thinks that it's like seven hours off when it's only three hours. Mm-hmm. And so then like Aaron is kind of trying to advise Jack on how to get along with his sister. Yeah, just be nice to your sister. Compliment her shoes. Yeah. Um. So he gets to the airport and... Here's a plot hole you can drive a truck through. You ever been to an airport the week of Thanksgiving? Oh, it's always completely empty in a California airport on the day before Thanksgiving. It's a ghost town in this film instead of a busy, populous place. When you and I flew to Disney World, we, I got, I like to spend as much time in Florida as possible. So I got like the stupid early 7 a.m. flight. Mm -hmm. So we had to be at the airport at like five. Mm -hmm. So... There were more people in that airport on a January Tuesday at 5 a.m. than one of the busiest travel days of the year. Yes. And this is LAX. Yeah, because I will say there was a time where, uh, for for comedy reasons, I was performing in uh, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I was in a Detroit airport at like 1 a.m. And it was a ghost town. But like, that was... Not the major capita that is L.A. Exactly. And you were also, uh, if I recall correctly, you were traveling to Michigan in February. Yes. Not the busiest travel day of the entire freaking year. No, certainly not. (laughs) So Jill also has a million bags with her, and she's only supposed to be staying for a couple days. Yes. Why so many bags? Are the Knicks traveling with you when it's with us? Mom always said it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Oh, yeah, she did say that. I remember that. That was cool. Are you going bald? Huh? So that's like the first red flag of like she's got an unrealistic amount of luggage with her. Yeah. Uh, She also has a bird. She has a bird that is also voiced by Adam Sandler. So Adam Sandler doing three roles in this film. Yep. Really flexing those acting chops is and the, the Sandman. And the bird imitates everything she says. Right. So they kind of get into a fight immediately because he sighs. Why are you doing that? Why do you sigh so loud? I just really, really love your shoes. You are so weird. Isn't he weird, Boopsy? Where were you? <laughs> they get home. She goes right to bed because she's tired from mm-hmm. the flight. But we we established that it's Thanksgiving Day. Yes. And so she doesn't get up in time for Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, she's like late to it. Yeah, she's late to Thanksgiving dinner. And we also meet um, Sophie and Gary, who are Jack and Erin's children. Yes. There's also a homeless man that they are having at dinner because they're good people. Otto. Yes. I... I Otto was not explained. You informed me that it's a uh, character brought from Happy Gilmore. Yes, this actor is one of the Happy Madison-like crew that's in everything, along with, like, the cross-eyed guy and who we will see later. And, like, the the only one that's missing is Rob Schneider. Yeah. From, like, the usual gang. Uh, so... He's there, and he's he looks like the caddy from Happy Gilmore in this uh, this scene, where he just kind of like looks homeless, but he's just kind of there to be to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. This is Otto. Otto, 
Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. He's homeless, right? He seems clean, but you should put one of those toilet seat protectors underneath him to make sure he doesn't ruin the chair. Are you whispering with a bullhorn or something? Everybody hears you. He doesn't feel important. Mm -hmm. He's very confusing. Now, there's a bunch of things that are established in this way too long Thanksgiving scene. Yes. The first one I want to address is they have an adopted son who tapes things to his body. Yes. That, that's it. It's never explained why he does it. He just likes to take objects and then scotch tape them to himself. We also find out he was adopted when he was 10 days old. You made him switch from being Indian. What is wrong with you? We adopted him when he was 10 days old. This is all he knows. Did you ever think maybe he tapes things to himself because he doesn't feel connected, you know, to his real parents? That was very smart. I just thought of that. Isn't that? That was interesting. Yeah. Which never comes up again. And is, in fact, it's really only explained... I, I have a theory about this that I will get to at the end of this scene. I, I just figured it, it explained that they cast a kid who didn't really look like Adam Sandler or Katie Holmes. Right, yeah, I think that's part of it. But So they're just doing the, well, he's adopted. I have a theory of what is meant to be established by this scene that I'll explain at the end. Um, but they fail. Believe we, it or not, they fail. We meet Sophie, his daughter, who knows karate. Yes. And Jill comes down to dinner very late. And I believe Aaron's parents are there with them as well. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't do anything. So we're just going to tell you they're there. They're not yeah. going to do much. And Jill kind of like freaks out about not getting to sit next to Jack. Yes. Despite the fact that like everybody kind of offers to move and like mm -hmm. she kind of does the very awkward like, but I, I always sit next to Jack. And mm -hmm. somebody's like, well, I can move. No, no, don't move. Like, yeah. the passive-aggressive martyr crap. Yes. So she's already, like, establishing that she's a giant pain in the ass. Right. This, this is one of the first major failings of this movie, in my opinion. She also says something insulting about the homeless guy. Yeah, she's repeatedly pretty insulting about him. And, like, but, like, she whispers so she thinks he can't hear it. But she like, whispers, she whispers like you're in a play? Yeah. Like, it's a very stage whisper. Yeah. There's also, uh, they establish the idea of twin powers and twin yeah. language. And whenever Jill does something that's, like, annoying, Jack gets upset. Yes. And then everyone else is kind of like, Jack, be nice. Like, his wife is like, come on, you can't act like this at the table. But Jill is being legitimately horrible as a human being. Yeah, she's... Like, there's no reason to tolerate the behavior that she has at the table. Mm hmm So everything's just falling apart. Because I don't see a reason for anyone to be okay with what's happening. Like, Katie Holmes being like, it's your sister, be nice, is an inhuman reaction. It should be like, I know, it's rough. Like, I would much rather see them both suffering through it together than Katie Holmes being weirdly cool with everything. Yeah, Katie Holmes is, or Erin, trying to remember her character name, is like a Jill apologist through the whole movie. She is, yeah. and I, I think what they're trying to do here mm -hmm. is they don't want it to be an in-law comedy. Right. They don't want it to center on 
poor Aaron is put upon and so they need to make Aaron super, super nice. So it's not like Aaron and her terrible sister-in-law. Yeah. Uh, but Aaron, it's such a sitcom wife of like, Aaron literally exists to facilitate, like, she is a sexy lamp. Yeah. Like, she's like, no, it's okay. She's very passive. Uh, through this entire film, she puts up with things. I like your sister. And she puts up with stuff I would not. I No. Like, w- there's later a vacation situation. And there's no way I would be like, yeah, let's just invite my in-laws on my family yeah. vacation. It's so confusing. And, like, the, the one joke that I really did enjoy during this whole scene is there's a moment where the homeless guy goes, you know what, I think I'm going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious. Yeah. The fact that the homeless guy's like, I'd rather be outside. Very funny. But everything else in here is trying to establish this weird dynamic that doesn't make sense. My opinion mm-hmm. is what they are attempting to do with this scene is they are trying to make us like Jack. Because... He brings a homeless man into his house for Thanksgiving. He has a son that he adopted. He took care of this poor child. Like, it's supposed to give credit to Jack. Yeah. But instead, Jill is so horrible that I don't like anyone else for allowing this to happen. <laughs> yeah, like, the only people you can kind of like are the kids, because they're kids, mm-hmm. and Jack. I mean, I don't even like Jack because, like, Jack's not handling it in a mature way either. Like, it should be just simply, like, don't talk that way in my home. Done. Stern. Not, like, this weird tap dancing that everyone's doing. Yeah. And, like, the other things with the kids, uh, because it comes up a few more times, is that Sophia has a definitely not American Girl doll. Yeah. That always matches her clothing unless the child, unless the doll matches Jim, mm-hmm. which sometimes yeah. it does, um, which feels like a weird thing to put in there. Like almost like they thought they were going to be able to market this. Yeah. Because it's not an American why the girl doll. There. I don't but understand clearly, why anything's happening. <laughs> it's not an American girl doll, but it's clearly meant to be. They even mentioned like the restaurant where you have to have the doll with you, uh-huh. which is American girl. Um, and I found this whole thing very interesting. Did you know what all this reminds me of? Bob's Burgers. I was actually going to say the Bob's Burgers episode with uh, with the American Girl doll XB is one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. of like Louise taking pity on the doll that was like going to be thrown away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I could definitely get Gale vibes exactly. from Jill. The fact that they're basically trying to come up with that relationship. Where Jill represents Gail and Jack represents Bob. But we don't have enough on Jack to adore him the way we do Bob. And it's also not the same. Because what the relationship's really more like Gail and Linda. Because Gail is Linda's sister. Right. Bob can't stand his in-laws. Mm-hmm. There's always that dichotomy in family movies of the family you grow up with and the family you marry into. Mm-hmm. And what Bob does and what usually in these shows happen or shows and movies happens is 
the person who's related to that person is very mm-hmm. apologist and is like, we grew up like this, blah, 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 blah. And then their partner is like, kill me. Right. That, I'm, I'm kind of pointing out how that, that this doesn't work. Exactly. There's not a reason for Katie Holmes, I will never call her by her character name, to care for Jill. Because Jill's being legitimately terrible. Yeah. So, and I, I also want to throw this out there. I know I said, like, this is how this situation should be handled in reality. Yeah. And if they did that, there would be no comedy. I don't think there was any comedy either. It, this is, like, a lot of the comedy in Jack and Jill is either gross or kind of, like, quirky, spork, girl, I'm so random comedy. Yeah, wow, that's come up a lot with this month. Yeah, because, like... There's a whole scene, and this is what I was trying to do in the beginning, where Jill is trying to remember the name of a film, yeah. and they keep telling her the name of the film, and she keeps saying, you're wrong, and then describing more of the same film. I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone right now. I'm like Jimmy Stewart at the end of that movie, the one with, with they, they live in Pottersville. What, what is the, that movie called? It's a Wonderful Life? No, no, with Jimmy Stewart, the, the one where he meets the angel and he's mad. It's a wonderful life. Why do you keep saying that? No, the one where he falls in the pool and he sings Buffalo Gals. He gets all the money at the end and he finds out that his life really is wonderful. Yeah. That happens three times in this film. It wasn't really funny the first time and definitely not funny enough to be revisited twice. Yeah. But that's a lot of what this film is. It's like, let's just do that again. So we find out that like, Jill has, like, a bucket list of things she wants to do while she's in L.A. hmm And it's much too long to accomplish over a holiday weekend. Yes. Again, Thanksgiving is the reason she's here. Mm-hmm. But the, the reality of what Thanksgiving is is totally lost in this uh, movie. Yeah. And then we find out that, like, Jill is planning to stay through Hanukkah. Yes. Which is kind of convenient because since Hanukkah is a holiday that does move around in the calendar, mm-hmm. the audience isn't quite sure. Like, is this a year where Hanukkah starts very early? Is this yeah. a year that Hanukkah starts much later? Yeah. And Thanksgiving floats around a little bit, too. Yeah. So Thanksgiving could be anywhere from, like, the 22nd to, like, the 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get an intercut here of Al Pacino, like, having a breakdown while he's in Richard III. Yeah, this is pro- th- probably like a, the funniest part of this film he has is any time he's on stage. Doing he has a Patty Lapone cell phone meltdown. Yeah. Someone's cell phone rings in the audience and he loses his shit on the way that um, Patty Lapone famously did. And I actually... I, I've, I've never seen this. Uh, Patty Lapone, for those of you who are not nerds about theater, she, um, she made headlines a few years after this. Really? So this isn't even a reference? No, uh, but she's kind of the most famous one I can think of, of an actor having a temper tantrum during a Broadway show uh, because of a cell phone. Like, while she was in Gypsy playing Mama Rose, someone's cell phone went off, someone was texting, and she was like, she stopped the show, gave him the riot act, and took their phone away. You can't do that. She did everything but yell, I'll wait. <laughs> she might have yelled, I'll wait. I haven't watched <laughs> I haven't watched the temper tantrum in a while. But, which is, a, again, when is it? Is this Thanksgiving? Did he have to do a show on Thanksgiving? Usually. Well, yeah. I, don't try to think of the timeline. Your nose will bleed. Yeah, because usually. Uh, it's like primer. 
usually with shows like that, if you're seeing it on the holiday, you're often getting an understudy. Yeah, you're not getting Al Pacino. Because the big name actor took off. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think about stuff like that a lot of... I saw a show on, like, the Tony Day, and somebody was out. Right. Like, the day sense. of the Tony Awards. Right. And a major actor was, like, not in because they had to go do Tony had stuff. Had to be in the Tonys, yeah. Um, I can't remember what show it was now, but, like, they, I was just yeah. like, well, where are you? So, in this very long period, yeah, all this, that we established... This is like a 20-minute scene. Yeah, is Jack and Jill are... Or, Jill is terrible. Jack doesn't like her. Everyone else loves her. Al Pacino's having a rough time. Yes. And then, We're like 40 minutes into the movie. <laughs> so we find out that Jill's planning to stay through Hanukkah. And she also does... She also meets their gardener, Felipe. Mm-hmm. Who, Felipe's sense of humor is... You know, he's very, cord- he's very like, jovial and nice. And then he'll say something that's only not racist because uh, he's Mexican. Yeah. So he'll say something and then, like, make everyone uncomfortable and he go, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So that's kind of his... And then, like, Jill's just pretty racist to him. So you can almost kind of see his joking being a way of, like, getting back at her and making her uncomfortable. Yeah. I definitely never feel like this character is, like, super in the wrong. No. Uh, I don't think he's the funniest individual. No. So we see Jill take Sophie shopping at the, I can't believe it's not American girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to ride a pony. And then like, there's a not funny scene where. She's too fat. She's too fat for the pony. Yeah. And it's like, it's a pony. Like not a horse. Yeah. Like this is like the ki- the pony ride at the, uh, the petting zoo. Yeah. That you put your like four year old on. So not only does she- and no one in their right mind would have let her ride that pony. Yes. Because that would kill the pony? Yeah, the pony would be dead. Uh, <laughs> the, the, she also goes on the prices right for, like, really long? Yeah, we also establish, like, we're now in Hanukkah. Because we see them light the fifth night of Hanukkah candle. Right. So I'm guessing, because not a lot of time feels like it's elapsed, that it seems like this year Hanukkah started fairly early. Yeah. Because we have no idea, how, again, I I know this is like a thing that only bothers me, but I really hate when we don't know how much time has gone by. Yeah. Like. It, I think this is the fifth time I've complained about this in Razzie Month. Yeah, this seems to be a re- reoccurring problem because it would have been so much better to have Jack saying things like just two more days. Like that. Tell us the stakes, you know? Exactly. Uh we also see um, a couple more things are established of Jill is a heat monster who uh, leaves like an Im- a sweat imprint in the bed yes. every day. And she also, there's a night where like Jack wakes up realizing he's being spooned. Yes, let's talk about this scene. And he realizes it's not his wife, it's Jill. What are you doing? Why can't I just lay with you? You're a widow! Yes. And she's like, what? I just want to spend time with you! This, there's a few ways you can do uh, the same actor in the same scene. Like, twice. Yeah. There's the time where it's clearly cutting back and forth, which is the easy way to do it. You can kind of do, like, a split-screen thing. Yeah. Where you have, like, the actor perform once and 
like you kind of marry the two scenes together. But what is clearly being done in this scene with the spooning is Adam Sandler is laying in bed with a woman and then they are digitally putting Adam Sandler's head on this body. Yeah. And it looks horrific. And the only reason I recognized it is it's a thing they do in Kung Pao Enter the Fist. And it purposely looks bad because it's that movie. Yeah. But they do it here and it's just like, it's very like nightmare fuelish Because Jill's like eyes are wide open and she's grinning like a madman. Yeah. It's horrific. Uh, I will say though, at this point as well, when I talk about the characteristics of Jill, um... A lot of people make fun of Adam Sandler for not trying anymore, for just kind of doing films where he hangs out with his buddies and, like, goes on vacation. He's legitimately trying with Jill. Yeah. To, like, play a character. It's not good, but he is trying. Yeah, this movie's also 10 years old. This might have been before he stopped trying. Yeah, this this might be before, like, all those, like, just go with it. Yeah, uh, I think it is. Blending. All those movies where it's just like, me and a hot woman go out on an island. <laughs> Well, once you hit the Netflix deal, it's mm-hmm. like Grown Ups 2 and all of the Netflix movies are like him taking a vacation and being paid for it. Yeah. So then Jill goes in The Price is Right. She like awkwardly hits on Drew Carey for like a while. Yeah. Like I felt like the Price is Right segment was so long and it just leads up to her spinning the big wheel and hitting her head on it. Come on, guys. One dollar. One dollar. One dollar's the winner. Good luck to you. I never saw that before. Uh, hey, let's give her a bunch of prizes. We'll be right back right after this. Don't go away. Which is footage they just keep showing. Like, that. they show that whole scene, and then she's like, I got to go home with all these prizes. And then they go home and they just watch it. I was like, why are we seeing this again? And then I think it plays again in the credits. Yeah. I was just like, it's not that great a joke. Yeah. Like... This is a Dane Cook joke from 1997. And they grab it. You think their spine's going to go... And then they spin, and their head comes like this close. And you're like, Nana, look out! You think they're going to get snagged. Like... (laughs) And, like, she gets hit with the wheel. It knocks her flat. Mm -hmm. Like, it's dumb. And then, like... There's, a, there's kind of a good joke where Drew goes, just give her a bunch of prizes mm-hmm. to, like, get rid of her to, so they don't get sued. And then she's like, Felipe is driving them home. So, like, neither Jack nor Erin is present. Yeah. It's just her and the kids and the gardener. <laughs> yeah. And we do see them going to the movies together. And I, this is kind of a scene that works... Yeah, we, it needed more of this. Because this is some nice, like, show-don't-tell here. It's Jack at the end of the aisle, the two kids, and then Jill. Mm-hmm. And Jack and Jill, while watching the movie, have the same laugh, same, like, mannerisms. They're very similar. Yeah, they eat popcorn the same way. And you get this great shot of, like, the kids looking at each of the adults and each other and being mm-hmm. like... Hmm. Oh, I see what this is. And then Jack catches the kids looking at them like that and then starts actively trying to change his mannerisms. Mm-hmm. And then Jill, like, loudly answers her phone during the movie and it becomes a big fight. Yeah, and this is yet again another situation where 
Katie Holmes is like, don't yell at her. It's like she just answered the phone in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't her being quirky. No. Yeah, she's just wrong here. So then Jack decides what Jill needs is a man. Yeah. Because Jill is like, oh, she's around all the time. She needs something to like occupy her time. And she's like never had a boyfriend, never had any. Her whole thing was she was taking care of their parents. Mm-hmm. Who are, we now, we've established are both dead. Yes. And that's kind of given as the excuse for why she's like this. Mm-hmm. So, Jill makes an online profile that is so intentionally unappealing. Like, her picture is her eating a burger. Yeah. And she's like, are we really expected to think this woman is this dumb? I mean, I would say I've never done any, like, online dating or things like that. But I go to a lot of open mics where they talk about it. And it's a lot of, like... Half the girls I see on here are with a dude in their profile picture. That's Probably true. shouldn't do that. So, like, I can understand her being inept at it, but it's, of course, taken to a level of unrealism. Yeah, like... So, Gary, uh, Gary the son is kind of walking around. Cause, oh, the next day, Jill cries because no, no one's responded to her profile. Right. And they use some kind of, like, fake... They don't use. They mention eHarmony and Match. Yeah. But they use some other profile. I think this is because eHarmony and Match didn't want to be uh, associated with this horrible film. No, I think they didn't want the quality of date that Jill would be able to get. Mm-hmm. They don't want a Jill. To, they don't want. Oh, she got no hits. Yeah. They don't want a woman to watch this movie and think like, well, what if I get no hits on Match.com? Right. 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 So Gary walks in on Jack changing Jill's ad to make her more... No. He goes on to casual encounters on Craigslist. No, no, no. He changes her ad and then also goes on Craigslist and posts the link to her ad. Oh, okay. Like, changes it till... Like, she sweats through the sheets and he goes, like, she's super hot. Yeah, super hot. Uh, Stuff like that. Yeah. And down for anything. She gets a bunch of responses. She's super excited. Uh, Sexy Lamp is like, I'll help you. And Jack is trying to be encouraging. He's like, oh, what are you going to wear? And then we get the only good line in this film. Yeah. Gary looks at him and goes, what are you going to wear, Daddy, in hell? And it made me think of uh, Firefly. Special hell. Yeah, a special hell. And uh, we also then see that Sophie's doll is dressed exactly like... Jill. Yes. In her date outfit. Again, this is a thing that they make such a painful, like, look what we're establishing. This doll is always dressed like this. This will never be important, but it's a thing that's happening. So, uh, we get a fun cameo here from her date. Her date, who is only referred to as Fun Bucket. Because that was his username. Yes. He is played by Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald's here. And we see a little bit of the date and it just doesn't go well. Yeah, they, they do not give Norm MacDonald a chance to shine. Yeah, like Jill is just so appalling that... Fun Bucket's the kind of guy who answers a 
casual encounters ad on Craigslist. But, like, he never seems that sleazy. No. He's playing the straight man here. Yeah, he's just, like, a little uncomfortable. And then eventually he goes and hides in the bathroom until she leaves. Yeah. Like, there, there's no attempt for there to be humor here. Like, really. Yeah. Like, you have Norm MacDonald there. Like, do something with it. Like, we... If they had cut out the date entirely mm-hmm. and we never saw it and she just came back upset, we would gain all the information that we'd need. Exactly. It Like, this does not justify its existence with any comedy. It's just awful. So Jill, like, freaks out that no one's ever going to love her. Right. Gary sells Jack out to the rest of the family. Jack is like, I screwed up. I'm an idiot. So out of guilt, he takes Jill with him as his date to the Lakers game. Because Al Pacino has tickets to the Lakers game. Yes. His plan is to walk up to Al Pacino during a Lakers game and convince him to do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Yeah. Insanity. Yep. <laughs> like, Adam Sandler, you should know that this won't work. Because you know what? You go to basketball games all the time. Do people come up to you and ask you to do Listerine spots? Do you do them? This is so dumb. Yeah, it's... Um, the fact that we've established that Adam Sandler's character has been able to get real celebrities in campaigns before means that, like, he knows how this works. Mm-hmm. He know He should know better. Also, Al Pacino's still in Richard III. Because we see him later still on stage. Yeah. So when's he going to a basketball game? In the meantime. I guess, like, is it a Monday night? Is it the night the show is dark? I guess. Um, again, like, it's a plot hole you can drive a truck through. We see... Al they Pacino. did not write this script with care. I don't even think they wrote a script. Like, we see Al Pacino in the evening a bunch. When you're like, you should be at work. Yeah. Like, you would have been fired by this point. We're gonna get into this. Jack takes her to the Lakers game, and Johnny Depp is sitting with Al Pacino... For no reason. Yeah. And Johnny Depp is just like, Johnny Depp. Like, he doesn't really add much. He's charming. He's nice. Yeah. Like. He could have been a sexy lamp. He absolutely <laughs> could have been a sexy lamp. Like he Jack, doesn't... Jill, and the sexy lamps is what this movie is. That's my new, uh, sexy lamps is going to be my new band name. But Johnny Depp, I, I don't even know why he's in the movie. Like. He doesn't... It's not a cameo that comes back. It's not a memorable cameo. No. I just have... My only note here is, why is Johnny Depp in this movie? Yeah. So they see Al Pacino and Johnny Depp on, like, the screen. Because they're like, look at the celebrities that are here. Oh, because Al Pacino is, like, incognito. Yeah, because he does not want to to be recognized right now. So he sits with Johnny Depp, one of the most (laughs) internationally easily recognized stars. Yes. Who is... Not disguised in any way. He looks... Guys, picture Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yep, that's what he looked like. Yeah. He's fresh off the set of uh, Rear Window. No. Secret Window. Yeah, he's just like... But he looks like standard issue casual Johnny Depp. Yeah. He's also wearing like a Britney Spears shirt or something. Yeah, he's wearing something odd. Yeah, he was wearing like... Uh. I forget what it is because we we didn't admittedly watch this movie over a week ago. Yeah, it's been a bit. uh, Because we... Filmed in re- we filled in WrestleMania before yes, we recorded yes, yeah. this. That's, that's threw off our schedule a bit. But 
what happens is Jack sees this footage. It's like, okay, Al Pacino's here. And he's up in the cheap seats. Yeah. He then walks down to courtside, which I know full well you cannot do. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? We've been to to so many wrestling shows. Yeah. Like, you know how when you try to walk into your section, someone checks your ticket? Yeah. That's so you don't just walk down to ringside because you're not supposed to be there, let alone then get into striking distance of acting royalty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that one. Um, Yeah, this is another plot hole in this movie. So Jack is trying to talk business with Al Pacino, who is instantly besotted with Jill. Yes. uh, Who does not care. Yeah. She is kind of interested in Johnny Depp because she thinks he's someone else. Yeah, but, and like, guys, I understand that we're sitting here being like, the logic of Jack and Jill doesn't make sense. But we are an hour into this movie at this point. Yeah. The stakes are, we don't like Jill, yet she's always on screen. Yeah. And this illogical Al Pacino Dunkin' Donuts plotline. Those are the only stakes that we have an hour into this film. So, like, it's already based so much on, like, unlikability and improbability. Yeah. That, like, you can't help but continue to notice it. Absolutely. And then we get to... It's still December, ostensibly. Um, Getting heated. And we get to it's their birthday. Yes. And... They've already planned a nice birthday party for Jack. But I guess Jill's coming along because it's also her birthday because they're twins. Yes. And Jill is obnoxious because she's like, since I believe Jack was born first, she, when Erin comes in and wishes her a happy birthday, she's like, not yet, not till 638. Yeah. But then she like calls Jack old and like is very, very annoying about it in a way that could be cute if it's your sibling. Yeah. Oh, and in the previous scene, Al Pacino sent her his personal number on a hot dog. Yes. So Jack has Al Pacino's personal cell phone number. That's important. Mm-hmm. Also, Jack uh, established that he once gave Al Pacino popcorn. So mm-hmm. now Al Pacino calls him popcorn through the rest of the film. Yeah. Uh, which I is something celebrities will kind of do because they don't learn names. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember... When you and I went to WrestleMania Access one year, we talked to Paul Heyman, Mm -hmm. and we mentioned being from near Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yeah. And he was like, oh, see you later, Cherry Hill. Yeah. Like, that's what that made me think of, of like, oh, that's the thing they know about you. Mm Mm-hmm. So this birthday party sequence is bananas. Um, We see... Jared from Subway in the most poorly aged cameo of all time. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, But it's like, it's what's it's Jill like giving him crap about his diet. Oh, yeah. About him not actually being that thin. Yeah. Like, it's very, very weird. (laughs) Well, I do kind of dig this because he's kind of like. She's kind of needling at him like, oh, this is why you're not like in great shape. You're just in okay shape because of this, this, and this. Later on, there's a whole issue where Jack has a cake and she doesn't. 
because she showed up at a party where she wasn't supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. And, like, she starts, like, getting upset. And they cut to Jarek going, just quit fighting. I'm hungry. And I was like, oh, okay. That's that's a good dig on yourself. Yeah. There's also uh, Shamwell Vince is here. Uh, Billy no. Blanks from Tybo. Yes. Uh, and then... And someone else who I'm sure was in advertising that I didn't recognize. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna get into this for a second. Jill is telling embarrassing stories... Yeah? ...about Jack's childhood. So then Jack finds a way... Jack has an assistant who's played by Nick Swardson who's been annoying through the entire movie, mm-hmm. but not annoying enough to talk about because he's such a non-entity. But the only time they use him is, have I ever told you Todd's an atheist? And then <laughs> Jill attacks him, and then so does John McEnroe. Yes! Who has the only other kind of decent line when he goes, I'm going to US open your skull. <laughs> John McEnroe shows up in a lot of stuff because he's he's famous for being John McEnroe. Uh, like, he's an, he should be the next Comedy Central roast. Uh, the next note I have is Noah Houlihan. I don't think this movie had a script. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. And then Al Pacino is like waiting in the back room of the restaurant and he kind of kidnaps Jill. Are, are we done talking about the weird spokespeople? Because I would like to go back to that. I mean, I don't have any more notes. Okay. The weird spokespeople is such an interesting idea. To have, like, headset Vince, Billy Blanks. There's someone else that talks that I'm like, I know you're you're from a commercial. Yeah. Like, it's not Billy Mays. Because I I believe he he had passed away before this film. He had. Luckily, Um, I guess. Because Billy Mays died. He was the end of the trifecta of Farrah Fawcett. Yes. Michael Jackson. Because you know how it's always threes? Yes, yes. He was, for some reason, the third one. Uh, So, I think it's because he died. Uh, But having all these people in the room that have this weird shared connection, that's kind of an interesting film. Yeah. Like, I would be down for watching, like, more of this. Because I love... Headset Vince. Yeah. Headset Vince is one of the most interesting cats I have ever seen. Because he he's the guy he's the sham wow the guy. He came out and he was like, the sham wow, it's very incre- it's incredible. You're gonna be saying wow every time. Then it was the slap nuts, you're gonna love my nuts, or the slap chop. Yeah. Uh, and it was this thing that you slapped that cut up nuts. Then he got arrested for attacking a prostitute. Yes. Then he came back to sell a spritz bottle? Do you remember this? Yeah, uh, The Invincible. The Invincible. And in it, in the commercial, he talks about going to jail for attacking a prostitute. Check this out. We got our sponge, we got our mess. Relax, I've done dirtier things than this. Sticky makes you look your best. Even for those unforgettable moments. In a commercial for a cleaner. Yes. Insanity. On top of all of this, if you don't know about this film, you need to do some research into the underground comedy movie. The underground comedy movie was this weird film that you would see commercials for at like midnight on like super cable. Like if you were up super late watching like FX or E or something, you would see this film called the Underground Comedy Movie that you could only buy through this TV offer that, like, weirdly had Michael Clark Duncan in it. Yeah. And they re-released it with an extra scene with Lindsay Lohan in it. It's written 
directed and starring headset Vince. Oof. So, like, I had no idea he was the Sham Wow guy when I would see these weird commercials until much, much later. And, like, the only bit I remember is, like, people playing catch with a hand grenade. Like, yeah. it's this weird film that, like, I've never seen, but it might be good Stay Doomed fodder one day. Yeah, maybe. Because it's a strange thing. So let me know if you guys are interested in that or if you remember that weird infomercial for the underground comedy movie. All right, I just wanted to get that out. Al Pacino kidnaps Jill. Oh, yeah, um, then there's a kidnapping. <laughs> and, like, they're in Al Pacino's house? And she mixes up Hunchback of Notre Dame and Man of La Mancha. Because he's supposed to be Don Quixote in Man of La Mancha, so he's preparing for that role. Right. And uh, he keeps calling Jill his Dulcinea. Yes. Because you know what this movie needed? Highbrow literary references. Yeah, this is so confusing. (laughs) And also, if you know anything about Man of La Mancha, uh, Dulcinea is an interesting take here because Dulcinea is an idealized woman and he declares his Dulcinea Aldonza who is a prostitute yeah so this interesting of like oh the ideal woman and she's actually just like and Aldonza is like no I'm not Dulcinea I'm Aldonza like Mm -hmm. and Jill kind of does the same thing which is interesting not done well well, what if this whole film is a metaphor? Oh, shh. Because, like, Don Quixote attacks a windmill thinking it's a monster. Mm-hmm. What if there is no Jill? And this is just a multiple personality disorder film? So Al Pacino is actually chasing this thing that's not there. It's just Jack's other personality. I mean, we establish them as in the same physical space and people reacting to both of them at the same time frequently. Can I try to make this movie interesting? (laughs) No. Um, So Jill escapes Al Pacino and sleeps outside for some reason. Jack is mad at her because he really needs Jill to go out with Pacino to get him to do the Don Pacino ad. Yes. And then Otto was going to eat Poopsie. That's, I have that note, because oh, Otto yeah. shows up for a hot second. Yeah, the homeless guy kind of just lives in the woods behind this house. Yeah. <laughs> like, they brought him in for Thanksgiving, but that's all the help you're getting. You go back in the shack we're aware of. And then he tries to eat the bird. I don't necessarily know that that's all they get. he gets, or if he just is not interested in more. <laughs> He's done. He's over this. Or maybe, like, he lives in the house more when Jill's not there. Yeah. Because he pieced out of Thanksgiving pretty quick. And then Felipe invites Jill to the family reunion. Um, it's a weird scene. Felipe's grandmother is played by the same actor who plays Felipe. Felipe, yeah. Uh, which is kind of this interesting... Uh, Eugenio Derbez, who is a famous Mexican comedian, this was like his first big American film role. Okay. And... He plays Felipe's grandmother as well, kind of mirroring Adam Sandler playing himself and his own sister. This scene is really long. It's really long. It's meant to establish, like, Jill is having fun here. Yeah, Jill... But all it really establishes is Jill's never had Mexican food before, and she's going to have the poops later. Yeah, Felipe's family is welcoming and kind. Jill feels welcome there. Um... 
And but the scene is really, really long for that. It's also clearly meant to start signaling that there is a connection between Felipe and Jill. Mm-hmm. And we find out Felipe's wife is dead. Um, yes, this is which is important. Important, but like everything is so miserable at this point, it's hard to care about any. We hate Jill. Like they made us hate Jill so much that I don't care about her having a happiness. And then we find out that Al Pacino in the interim has like broken into the house. He's demanding to know where Jill is. Jack is like, she's legitimately not home right now, but she'll be home later. This this is a horror movie. Yeah. Al Pacino storms into this home and says like, I know she's here. I'm going to find her. I was like, this is a psychopath. Yeah. He's coming like after a woman who has already spurned his advances. Mm -hmm. Like he should go to prison. (laughs) And... Her brother's, like, in this thing of, like, he feels he's going to have to kind of sell Jill to Al Pacino. Yeah. To make the, to get him to do the Duncan ad. So, Felipe drives Jill home, and Felipe, like, kind of makes a pass at her, and Jill says, I'm sorry, these chimichangas are making a run for the border. Yes. Felipe just laughs and lets her out of the car. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, see you later. Like... Oh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Jill runs up the stairs and uses the bathroom. And it's apparently, like, disgusting. Because then you see them, like, trying to air out the whole house in later yeah. scenes. And so Jill is... Poop. It's funny. really long poop joke. Yeah. And the end of this is Jack, in an effort to keep Jill around so that he can sell her to Al Pacino, invites her to go on their New Year's cruise. So now we know at least a month yes. has gone by. And when... He- he does this. There's a shot of Katie Holmes and the kids excited. Yeah. Why do they like this human? It's also like Benjamin Franklin said, guests like fish smell after three days. Um, it's been weeks. Yeah, it's been weeks. Jill is not the kind of house guest who just kind of like keeps to herself and is yeah. like normal. The entire holiday season has been Jill, 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 Jill. Mm-hmm. So I can see where this is like, even with like someone I liked, like when we've gone traveling with friends at the end of the weekend or the week, I've been like, okay, it is time to have alone time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family always loves the story. We went to Europe for two weeks when I was a teenager. Yeah. Got home, got in the door, fanned out and didn't speak for two days. Not out of anger. Everyone was just, like, done with each other for a little bit. Oh, we yeah. were like, it is time to not. Well, when I used to go to uh, the American College Theater Festival, my joke, I did it every year, was when we all got back, I would jump out of the car and just go, so what do you guys want to do now? And everyone would just kind of be like, we're not, we're not still hanging out. We've been together for a week. And I'm like, you guys want to get dinner? No, no. <laughs> and everybody would slowly just get into their cars. And I was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I was just kind of putting a lampshade on, like, we all need time apart, right? <laughs> yeah, like, everyone, usually after a weekend or a week, this was a big relationship test, my friend uh, said, was incredibly important to him, was if you cannot travel with someone for a week and still like them at the end of it, yeah. That's not the person you should be with. No. Because I remember the first time you and I went away for a week and like we came back and I was like, oh, I still legitimately want to speak to this person. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, good sign. That is a good sign. So no, it's been over a month. And like, 
it's been over a month of like, you're not, you don't have your house to yourself. You yeah. have a guest. You have a guest who's a little demanding. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine like Jack and Aaron have had a lot of privacy. Exactly. As a married couple. And they were going to go on a cruise, but now Jill is going on the cruise. So I would hate this. Uh, and then we get a cruise line ad. Yes. Welcome to Royal Caribbean International. This is clearly being paid for by the cruise line. Yeah, Gary's taped a lobster to himself. Yep, again, kind of interesting, won't be important. And then we see Pacino back in Richard III. Now, we we can now assume it's in, for this to be a New Year's cruise, this is probably that, like, week between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. So let's assume it's, like, December 26th or December 27th at this point to make a timeline. So she's been with them for a month. She's going to continue to be with them. Are you, I think it's before Christmas. Because don't they end up at a bar on Christmas Eve? New Year's Eve. Oh, it's New Year's yeah, Eve. Yeah, the whole thing is that this is the New Year's cruise. Because okay, gotcha. they're Jewish, so they don't celebrate right, Christmas. Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. But they keep calling this the New Year's cruise. And Pacino is in Richard III, but sees that Jack has called him. Because now Jack knows where Jill's going to be for the next week. Yeah. And Pacino takes a phone call in the middle of Richard III. Yes. And there's a great moment where you see his, like, thirsty, thirsty understudy in the wings. Yeah, like, like do you, you want me to on? take over? He's like, I got this. I got it. Which is, I, that was a scene that I did like, because, like, if you've ever done theater, mm-hmm. that thirsty understudy who's like, I can go on. There's some funny moments in this, just oh, as yeah. theater nerds. One of the background guys pulls out his phone and starts texting while well, Pacino's... That was Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, that plays the uh, the extra who starts texting? Yeah. What a weird cameo, because it doesn't draw any attention. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner never speaks. <laughs> they, like, they they casually mention that a role is being played by Caitlyn Jenner, and then there's just a shot of them on their phone, and then that's it. Yeah, so it's this very strange, like, we get, uh, then we get, like, a jump rope contest, with, and we see Jack and Jill actually have this moment of synergy. Yes. Where they're in the jump rope contest and something they did a lot as kids and they still remember how to do it. And Jack is like, for once, letting go and like kind of giving in to the Jill madness. Yes. We're probably well over an hour and 15 minutes into the film and we're finally like, oh yeah, they do kind of like each other. (laughs) Uh, Poopsie the Bird gets crunk on Jack Daniels. Yeah. The idea of having a pet bird is uh, strange. Having a pet bird on a cruise? Yeah. Because usually pets are not allowed on cruise ships unless it's like a service animal, which I don't think the bird is. No, I don't think so. So then uh, Jack decides to imitate Jill. Yes, and go on a date with Al Pacino. Yeah. So a less charming version of Mrs. Doubtfire ensues where he changes in a cabin bathroom there's this great moment with a bathroom attendant who is like one of those I've worked on a cruise ship for a million years. I've seen everything, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Jack goes in, comes out in drag as Jill, and the bathroom attendant just kind of waves him over and fixes the cantaloupes that Jack has stuffed into his bra. Yes. And nothing else. Just like fixes that thumbs up. And it's just this very funny, like, I have seen it all yeah. moment. And... There is a moment where Pacino's helicopter hovers and spirits Jill away to his castle. Yes. How loud are helicopters, Noah? 
Very. They're very loud. No one notices. Nobody notices this. Like, no ship personnel, no anybody. I I don't know a lot about cruise ships. I've actually never been on a cruise because it's not really my jam. Yeah. But I don't think there's ever a time you're really, truly alone on a cruise ship. Yeah, it's it's hard to just be on the deck. I, I mean, he's right where the uh, the Titanic moment would happen, so there would always be people doing that. Yeah, like, there'd be people doing bits. Cruises are family things, so you'd always have the person who's trying to get away from their family. Because, mm-hmm. like, cruises, from what I understand, you are in tight quarters with your family for a long yeah. time. And so, also, like, it's nighttime, so they're either docked at a port, mm-hmm. which means you just get off the boat. Or they're out in the middle of the ocean, which is kind of unbelievable that random helicopter could find. Yeah. So, there's... So, Pacino spirits, quote, quote, Jill away to his castle. Which is a nicer castle than the one in 365 days. Yes. There's, like, a weird, sad phone call between Jack and Jill. Yeah, basically, he's flirting with Al Pacino, and then Jill calls and is like, uh... Why are you speaking that way? Yeah. And because she, for how stupid and annoying Jill is, she puts together immediately when he answers the phone like that. Like, oh, you're dressed as me and seducing Al Pacino right now. Because Jack has been so one track minded Mm -hmm. that Jill is like, oh, of course, your only objective for having me around. Mm -hmm. So, uh,. Then, like, after Jack hangs up, Pacino just kind of mocks and abrades Jack to Jack's own face, thinking it's Jill. Yeah. Kind of being like, you don't appreciate, like, he doesn't appreciate you. He's one of those people who's not going to realize how much he loved you until you're gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jill leaves the cruise, which is not an easy thing to do. She leaves the cruise and goes home to the Bronx. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they're docked. Now, I, but I want to bring this up. There is a moment where Jack, dressed as Jill, goes, I have to get out of here. And Al Pacino says, will you stay if I agree to do the commercial? Yeah. And Jack says, no, I need to see my sister, I think. Yeah. Uh, Which means that Jack was about to get what he thought he wanted, Mm -hmm. but has changed now to see Jill's value. Yeah. (sighs) What changed? Yeah, Jill doesn't change. He got called an asshole? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> what? Like, what caused this epiphany to be like, I need to respect this woman? Nothing. Uh, it's a family comedy and we need to get to the end of the movie. Yeah, alright, let's get to the end of the movie. Then I'm on board. I'm on board for this decision now. So, Jill flees the cruise ship and goes back to the Bronx. I guess... Wouldn't, like, a lot of her stuff still be at Jack's house? Like, the logistics... I'm someone who thinks in logistics and the logistics of this decision. I'm like, how does she leave the cruise ship and make it back to the Bronx for New Year's when it's got to be, like, December 28th, December 29th at this point? Because they've been on the ship for a little bit. Mm -hmm. There was also a a moment where they're on the cruise ship. Uh, Jill leaves a bathroom and the same bathroom attendant tries to fix the cantaloupes again. Yeah. And Jill, like, punches him. Yeah. Which is a pretty funny... It's one of the only funny, like, mistaken identity moments. It, it's the only callback. Because yeah. there's so much stuff that they set up that doesn't pay off. This is the first time we have a payoff in this film. Ugh. 
So Jill, like, we then now, like, have to hit home how much Jill is grieving over their parents because it's the first holiday without Jill's mom. Right. And Jill has always stayed closer to their parents while Jack moved across the country. So Jill is at, like, a little bar on New Year's with a picture of her mother. And in the same, like, neighborhood bar is a group of, like, their high school mates who make fun of her. And one of them is Monica, who is played by David Spade. Yes. And she's not wearing underwear. That's a note I have. Not wearing underwear. And they just kind of, like, make fun of Jill for being alone, even though Jill's like, I'm not alone. And they're like, really? You're not alone. And then we hear Jack's voice going, yeah, her family's here. Well, you're you're missing one big thing. Yes. She says, like, uh, I actually could have been on a date with a movie star. Yeah. And David Spade says, who? Rob Schneider? And they all laugh. And they all laugh because I guess Rob Schneider read the script and actually said no. Just a, a proudy Rob. Yeah. Way to not do this film. Rob Schneider, having standards. <laughs> so then they go like, her family's here. And it's Jack the Kids and Sexy Lamp. Yes. Who now have left their... Long-planned holiday cruise. Could you imagine? To go make Jill happy. Could you imagine if I came up to you and was like, listen, I just seduced uh, Al Pacino dressed as my sister. She's upset and uh, left to go to Brooklyn. I'm going to go make things right. You, who have done nothing wrong, leave your vacation. Mm Mm-hmm. Forget all the things that we've had planned and go to cold Brooklyn with me yeah. on New Year's Eve. How would, you, how would you respond? Oh my God, I would be so mad. Although the idea of, uh, since you are not twins with your sister, the idea of you dressing as your sister's whole I know, it, there's, there's some flaws in my <laughs> version of this, granted. You weigh two of your sister? Yeah, um. so I don't think... Uh, the idea of just being like, wife, sexy lamp... Let's go. You don't get a vacation because I screwed up so royally. Yeah, like... So stupid. Sexy Lamp and the kids are way too cool with how disruptive this whole thing has been in their lives. And they then have a conversation in weird twin language. Yeah. But there's no, like, subtitles or anything. So we just kind of have to sit there and be like, okay. Yeah, it reminded me of the Star Wars Christmas special. Yes! Oh my god! It's just in in Wookiee for no reason. Like, I have no idea what's happening. And I legitimately think this was so they didn't have to attempt to write moving dialogue. Yeah, what a great idea. Wabadoo! Habashabadoo! Yeah, their twin language is usual Adam Sandler speak. Yes. And then, like, Erin introduces herself as, you know, the wife. And then they talk about how, like, they used to call Monica the cheese tray because she got passed around at parties. Yeah. Which is something Jill says about Monica. And then I was like, that is a very high level insult mm-hmm. for teenagers. Yeah, for teenagers, name something that you pass. Cheese tray? That gets passed around at parties. Yeah, I'm like, it's up there with Monet for me of like high level teenage insults mm-hmm. of like, uh, oh, uh, you have to put some thought into that. <laughs> I feel like a teenager would say joint or basketball. (laughs) Yeah, like, so Monica then attacks the sexy lamp. 
And yeah, and I actually had the moment where I was like, Katie Holmes is going to do something. No. No, no. Uh, Jill peels Monica off and yeets her across the bar. Yes. But like, because oh, Monica used to date Jack, I guess yes. is what we get here. And then Al Pacino shows up as Don Quixote. Here are the problems with this. <laughs> we get that it's clearly like 11 o'clock because Man of La Mancha is over for the night. And, but like he had to get to the Bronx. So we... Man of La Mancha is a long musical. Man of La Mancha is a very long show. For him to finish a show in Midtown and then get to a bar in the Bronx, he's also still in costume. Have you ever stage managed a show? Would your stage manager let you out of the room in your costume and makeup? No. You try to take a costume piece out of a professional theater, your stage manager will gut you like a fish. She does not care if you were Al Pacino. So... How close is the castle that they were in? No idea. <laughs> to Brooklyn. He's also in the Bronx, by the way, not Brooklyn. Oh, the Bronx, excuse me. And so then we have this whole sequence of like, okay, he was doing Richard Third in L.A. in December. And he's already rehearsed, previewed, and opened Man of La Mancha no. in New York. Was he coming from rehearsal? No, you wouldn't be in full costume and makeup for rehearsal. It could be dressed. You wouldn't have dress tech on New Year's Eve. But he's also Al Pacino and Method. I guess, I guess he owns all of that stuff. <laughs> like, if that's all of the stuff he owns. It's so bad. It's dumb. So then Pacino fights a ceiling fan because it's a windmill, mm-hmm. which is a joke that the people who are watching this movie are not going to get. We got it. Yeah, but we don't like this movie. True. <laughs> um, and then Felipe is also there for no reason. And like... No, there's a reason because he loves Jill. Right. Because of that scene. But where we, the, we also where she this. pooped a lot. Also, like, Felipe... Who paid for Felipe's expensive holiday <laughs> plane ticket to New York? That's a cross-country flight. That's like 500 Yeah. But they're in love, I guess. He's landscaped her house. Yes. It's December in New York. (laughs) Everything there is going to die by two weeks from now. And it's also like, if Jill sells that house, she could retire. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if you move to a lower cost of living area, like, she had a nice place in the Bronx. I'm like, yeah, you have a nice place in New York like that? Mm. So then she and Felipe declare their love for each other in case. We don't know what happens. After no. this. And then we get what we all came here for. The Dunkachino ad. Yeah. It's fun. Something's brewing at D&D. Wow! Al Pacino! It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino! It's a whole new game. Dunkachino! Yeah, because his name's no longer Al. It's Dunk now. Dunk Pacino. And the, then, the Frappuccino thing totally blows my mind, just so you know. Well, and then we get, uh, we see the ad, and then it's Al Pacino and uh, Jack watching it, and Al Pacino goes, burn this. This must never be seen by anyone. All copies. <laughs> well, we have other versions. No. No. So I guess the ad doesn't run? No, yeah. So this whole movie is for nothing. So then he loses Dunkin' Donuts because Al Pacino refuses to do the commercial. We never see any of that. We never. What, s- you would assume? Yeah, we never see Because that any- was the stakes. Was it give us Al Pacino or we're leaving? 
we don't see any consequences or fallout from anything. We don't know if, like, what happened to Felipe? Does he leave Jack and Jill and, or does he leave Jack and Aaron's employ and go move in with Jill? Does, does Jill, Jill move, move out to LA? There? Oh. Yeah, we don't know anything. Does the kid who t- taped stuff to himself ever matter? No. Do either of the kids really matter? Not really. They're there with Sexy Lamp to say, like, we also like Aunt Jill. Now, I will say that there is a fan theory that the end of this movie is them talking about the film. Okay. Is them saying, like, no one can see this, destroy all copies, is about Jack and Jill. Burn this. I'm sorry? This must never be seen by anyone. This is not the final cut. There's no doubt we we can... All copies. Destroy them. I feel that. And they are super aware that this movie is garbage. Okay. I honestly think I might turn a corner on this movie if Al Pacino looked down the lens and said, no one should watch this. Yeah. I don't respect anyone who enjoys this. Something like that. Because then I'd be like, oh, it's a prank. You got us. That never happened. That yeah, it's it, it doesn't though. <laughs> it's a it's a really terrible movie. It, it, it's god awful. There's no jokes really. Like there's silliness. It's not a comedy. It's not a drama. It doesn't work. It technically made money. Mm-hmm. Um, it ran on a budget of about $80 million and grossed about $150. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably the budget is lower than we think it is because there was probably a lot of product placement. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, but there's a great product placement with this film. Uh-oh. What's up? No, you love reality shows, right? I do. You like Survivor. So in Survivor South Pacific... Oh, yes. Which was... The uh, one that was airing in, you know, fall 2011 when this movie came out. They have this great... Reward challenge. Reward challenge. And the reward is a screening of Jack and Jill with all the trappings of the theater experience. Comfortable chairs, climate control, food. Yeah. Like, all of these things that you're like, hmm, that sounds great. So that's, you know, what you really want here. So the idea of like, oh, we're going to get to watch a movie. And I know if I'm in Survivor, I don't even care what the movie is at that moment. Mm Because I'm like, ooh, I get to eat what? Fantastic. So the group that wins the challenge goes and sees this delightful Jack and Jill film. So there's a great moment. Uh, Coach does this whole, like, Uh, speech. Coach says something along the lines of, Jack and Jill loved it. I love Adam Sandler. Personally, I'm a fan. It was good because it was funny, but at the same time, there was a message, and the message was, hey, family comes first. It's a great message for us to be reminded that going into these days to come, it will get tough. It will get to be a point of compromise, but we have to be uncompromisable as a unit. Unbreakable. That's what our tribe is. And now we're ready to play the second half of this game. Get fucked, coach. You have you clearly don't know what you're talking about. This is the stupidest thing you could have possibly said, and you're coach from Survivor. And several people try to leave. Because uh, I, I read some backstage uh, okay. intel on this, 
And a bunch of the people who won the challenge were like, I would rather go back out into the uh, into the wilderness than watch this than film. have to watch Jack and Jill. So they kind of just filmed some B-roll of them watching the movie or pretending to watch the movie. Yeah. Because they all left after the first 15 minutes. Uh, there is a uh, castaway named Sophie who doesn't even pretend. This girl is stone-faced through the entire <laughs> B-roll. And it cracks me up. Uh, I, I watched the clip. It's... Yeah. You oh. can tell that they're not actually watching the film. Because yeah. they're happy. Yeah, like, they're clearly, like, with a lit screen to show, like, that they're watching a movie. Like, that shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, so funny. The funniest part of this was that Jack yeah. and Jill uh, Survivor <laughs> sequence. So what do you think? So this is a clear stay doomed for me. This Absolutely. is a failure in every way. And, like... There's just an overall lack of effort. Yeah. Like, I would say the bright point of this movie is Nick Swartzen's atheist character. Okay. Because there's a few jokes where, like, he's on the cruise and he calls uh, Nick Swartzen. And he's like, I need you to do this, this, and this. He's like, no problem. Anything else? Like, God just told me to get your, uh, that you have your feet on my desk. Take them off. And he does. Yeah. And it's kind of like this, that, like, that's funny that they're kind of like messing with him this way. But like, it's so removed from the plot that makes no sense. And like, just little things. Like, let's say instead of uh, Al Pacino's uh, phone number being written on a hot dog in ketchup, it's written on the wrapper. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she throws the wrapper away at home. And then the little boy tapes it to himself. Yeah. And runs by and Jack's like, what's taped to you? Al Pacino's phone number. It's Th- a sign from God. At, at least that makes sense. Yeah. Have a moment where they're on the, the boat and Jack sees the American Girl doll dressed as Jill and goes, I could dress as Jill. Yeah. Like make those things pay off. Yeah. Make one of the things that helps Jill a prize she won from The the Price Price is Right. Because why did we spend so much time on The Price is Right? Yeah. (laughs) Why? Why this movie? Like, it's one of those films where... And because apparently this was very common with Jim Carrey projects. Yeah. Is that there would be scenes that just say, that just said, Jim does something funny. Okay. Like, apparently, uh, notoriously, me, myself, and Irene was like that. Okay. Where I was just like, we'll have, let Jim just go nuts. We're doing that with Adam Sandler, which, say what you want about Adam Sandler, whether or not you like him or not. He's clearly no Jim Carrey. No. And... The person he is going to be improving with is Adam Sandler. Yeah, and like, <laughs> like he, there's only so much you can do when you're the only guy. And unlike Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler is trying to do this shtick, like much older than because like Jim Carrey hasn't really been doing those types of projects. Yeah, anymore. Like. Jim Carrey kind of left that aspect of his career behind. Yeah. And now when he improvises, it's on a more adult level. Right. He's still kind of doing the same bits he was doing in, like, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Little Nicky. Yeah. Like, silly voice, fart joke, stuff. There is a um, 
there is a theory that Adam Sandler uh, made this movie to kind of find a way to scam as much money out of as many places as possible. And that this was the beginning of that MO for Adam, for Adam Sandler of like the insane amount of product placement, the uh, just volume of clearly like yeah, paid promotions. Yes. Yeah. So, and we don't see a lot of the crews. Yeah, but I'm sure they were on there for a while. Yeah, like, it, we see more of the crews on the cruise episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, which um, we watched around the same time and I actually mixed up a few times. Yes. Do you remember a show on Comedy Central called Con? No. This, this, I believe this is a one-season wonder. And it was the story of this dude that would, like, con people. Okay. This is kind of his bit. Like... And, like, try to give you, like, instructions on how to, like, easily get cons. Like, he would uh, go through the trash at McDonald's and find a receipt. Mm -hmm. And he found a receipt for a burger with no onions. And he would come in and be like, hey, I bought a burger here an hour ago with no onions, but there was onions on it. I didn't get a lunch today. Can I have a burger? And he would just get a free burger. Okay. Like, yeah. But then there was always a bigger con that was over the whole thing. Yeah. And it was usually something like using the fact that he had a camera crew with him. And there's an episode where he's like, can we use your mountain to film a music video for a boy band? And it was him and like five of his friends. And like they spent some time dancing on a mountain and then they skied all day. Okay. This is Adam Sandler's entire career now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we'll film a, a movie. We'll improv it. It'll take an hour and a half. We'll use five minutes from it. And then we'll spend the rest of the day here in the Bahamas. Yeah, it's... This movie is rough because this movie clearly thinks that we should be... Uh, the movie thinks that Jill is the protagonist in a way. But... Because Jill is supposed to be the emotional heart of the film. Mm -hmm. But Jill is never that likable. The, the protagonist of this film is us. And the antagonist is the film. And we are suffering through it and persevering. It's really a hero's journey for the audience. And you know what's part of the hero's journey we should have stayed with? Refusal of the call. Stay doomed. Boom! Monomythed! <laughs> Guys, I just got monomythed, like, really hard. Joseph Campbell! I teach the hero's It feels journey. really bad to be monomythed, <laughs> just so you know. It hurts, it hurts in my chest. Oh, now I'm going to start doing this as much <laughs> as I can. We'll see what I can do. Yes! So, what are we, what are we watching next week? We are doing Blastazoid, uh, which was a 2006 MTV show. Excellent. And uh, right now we have the Patreon vote that's up, so I don't know what we'll be doing after that. It'll either be Armed and Famous... Or uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic. Yep, yep. By the time this goes up, I'll know and I'll edit a little thing in here. Armed and Famous won the poll. We will be doing it after Blastazoid. Uh, thank you to Matthew, as always, for being a patron. If you want to be a patron and talk to us on our Discord and have a voice in the things that we cover, you can join our Patreon over at Plus2Comedy. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. And if you want to talk to me about your favorite Adam Sandler film, 
I'm at plus two comedy. If you want to talk about Adam Sandler films in the context of the hero's journey, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed.